Hey, this is Ed Stetzer Live, and we're having a conversation today that actually is pre-recorded, um, and it'll give you the opportunity to, we'll have a little more time with our guests, which is great, but we're not able to take your call, so I won't share the number as well. But, but uh, you know, one of the things that's been interesting in the last few years is how serial podcasts have sort of taken the world by storm. I've been a part of a few of them. Uh, you know, conversations that kind of arc over multiple episodes and more. You know, if you listen to uh, Moody Radio, if you listen to Ed Stetzer Live, you know you can actually download this as a podcast. I hope you do. Not all of you can listen at the time it's broadcasting. You can download at any time. But I have really gotten into and love uh, being able to go a deep dive with a multi-episode podcast. And, you know, there's all kinds of there's true crime versions of that. There's, uh, there's storytelling ones. I actually like history podcasts or or politics or podcasts about current culture and uh we actually have uh part of the moody radio family who's who's uh, who shared a podcast of this type that i want to bring your attention to and kind of kind of walk through and talk about it today brian dolan has became a uh, moody uh radio partner he's a chicago he's actually from chicago he was in chicago started moody radio as a host, producer, and co-host of um, a podcast. And then he became a Cleveland Morning Show host uh, after that. So he's in Cleveland. So those of you listening on the Cleveland Station, you already know Brian's name. And um, and Brian caught the radio bug while teaching history at a public high school near Minneapolis, where he was the co-host and producer of a weekly radio program. So uh, he taught for six years, graduated with a master's degree in education. He now lives with his wife and five children in rural Ohio, and and I've actually had the privilege of being on uh, on his show multiple times, and so they have this uh, morning show there in Cleveland, which has been uh, super super fun to be a part of. And Brian and Janelle Mornings is what's called a Booty Radio Cleveland, and uh, and now he's uh, venturing here, and we're all this part of our Moody family venturing here with this new podcast. We're very excited to have him on. So let me give you a little description of the podcast. And then Brian, I want you to explain it. So here's during uh, de de debuting on May 19th, right? So this is like just out. So you still opportunity for you listen to it. It's an original storytelling podcast. And unlike anything you've ever heard from Moody Radio or potentially anywhere else, I'm just reading the description here. Brian's dramatic family story unfolds with each episode, taking you inside the candid thought-provoking conversations between Brian and loved ones from across generations, people just like you. This captivating series uh, dives deeply into the Dolan's family generational dynamics, and you'll get to listen as they uncover everyday struggles that you may face in your own relationships, right? So it's got that kind of ap application, reveal hopeful lessons from your own life, and, uh, and really learn how long-held secrets and sins weighed on family members' spiritual and mental health and how they seek answers to why their family appears to have been broken. So that's kind of the description. So the podcast is called The Grandfather Effect, and it follows Brian on a journey to discover uh, why his grandfather disowned him. Uh, so this is, you know, it's weighty stuff. It deals with themes of forgiveness, reconciliation, complicated family dynamics, and ever-changing world. And the last episode will be released on uh, Thursday before Father's Day. So it's out now. You can subscribe. Yeah, that's what you do with podcasts. Subscribe now. Wherever you subscribe to podcasts, if you just search for The Grandfather Effect, uh, you'll be able to find it. So let's jump in. First, Brian, thank you for joining us in this conversation today. And it's, it's our live. 
Thanks for having me on, Ed. It's like I've arrived now that I'm on Ed Stetzer's show. You've been on my show so much, so <laughs> thanks for the invite, my friend. <laughs> Brother, Saturday radio is not the height of your uh, career. <laughs> so <You> stop. <laughs> <laughs> we love Saturday. I love my audience, but Saturday radio is is uh, is a different world. Um, so, um, so all right. So I, I'm kind of intrigued by this because this is not Moody's not done stuff like this before. This kind of serialized no. podcast, and here we're in this space. So tell us a little bit about your uh, family story. What inspired it? Um, yeah, give us a little background. I actually did not mean for this to be a story about my family. It all started in 2016 when I was a huge podcast fan, like you just described yourself your, yourself as. Uh, and my favorite type of podcast was storytelling podcasts. But I discovered, of course, that in, in Christendom, there just aren't many of them. I mean, we primarily yeah. do preaching and teaching programs. We do conversation podcasts like this. Uh, and, you know, uh, the folks at Christianity Today came out with a investigative journalism type thing. But there aren't many long form stories told over multiple episodes. And so I thought, wow, we're missing out at Moody Radio not doing this. So I went to my station manager at the time and I said, hey, what, what if we tried to put together a little demo to show that this can be done among Christians? And he said, sure, go for it. So I just thought I was going to develop a little idea. Maybe it would turn into a segment on my morning show or perhaps like a, a, a single episode on the Brian Janelle podcast. Uh, and I was totally wrong uh, how it would turn out because what ended up happening is I just decided the easiest low-hanging fruit for me would be to do a storytelling podcast about something personal because it would just take the least amount of effort really to go do research. Uh, and so I could only think of one lingering question that I wanted to have answered. Uh, and it was that my paternal grandfather had disowned my family when I was a very little boy, like three years old. Uh, and the only memory I have of him was at his wake when I was about 13. And it's one of those things that my parents gave me some sort of simplistic answer that didn't seem to make sense about why he disowned us. And so what I decided was, well, maybe we just explore that. I'll interview my parents, you know, put, put some music behind it, there you go, a storytelling podcast. And I couldn't have been more mistaken about how complicated the whole thing turned out and, uh, and how personal it was. So really, at, at the beginning of it all, Ed, I really wasn't thinking about, you know, opening up the closet and exposing my, my family skeletons to the world. But that's, I guess, how it turned out. Right, right. So you started uh, down this journey. And I think one of the things that makes an amazing podcast is is often by you might say accident or serendipitous is that you learn things that sort of unpack as you go and yes and it sounds like you were on that kind of uh learning journey as as well you learn things along the way correct yeah that's the style of podcast that's my very favorite that's where the yeah, podcast serial was really innovative in that you went along with the journalist and the story and there's an unwritten agreement with the audience and the agreement is i don't know how it's going to end as the host but I'm going to take you with me in the journey and we're going to end together. Even if it's not a perfect storybook ending, there's this agreement that it's real life and you get to follow along. And that's what I really wanted to try and do. So that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful, powerful. Um, and, and I love that. I love that you have, cause this is not something uh, you mentioned Christianity today. They, they did the uh, podcast became the number four most listened to podcasts in the whole world, not the Christian world, yeah. but the whole world, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And uh, of course, I was I was a part of that podcast, a few of the episodes, and uh, the podcast host is Mike Cosper, who I've known since he was 19 years of age. So I watched oh, wow. that one. People had you know strong positive, strong negative reactions to that because uh, it was on a subject that that was you know controversial and 
uh, and you know, and, and, and very multifaceted. Uh, but you've you've not you know shied away from going into some some challenging family issues, some challenging. Well, we I don't I don't, I, I want to be careful too because we don't want to give away too much about it. No, okay. uh, but let's so let's talk more generically. What's the importance of personal storytelling? Because that's not a thing. I mean, you know, Brian, you do a morning show. It's not exactly right. in-depth conversations about, and so it's very different than what you're doing. Even you know, at Central Life, we have an hour to talk to somebody. This is hours of conversation. Why is it important for personal storytelling like that in Christian media? Well, I, a couple of reasons. I think th- the first one is the primary reason I got into Christian radio years ago was because I got frustrated listening to people approaching programming from the perspective of having arrived in their Christian faith. Like mm-hmm. if you hear someone talk about marriage, you hear the host talking about how great their marriage is and how you can learn from their experience or what, whatever the situation is, you talk to them at the end of this beautiful story that I think unintentionally will often present a false narrative of the Christian life as in, you know, uh, almost a prosperity thing where if you just follow this formula, you're going to end up living the the healthy, wealthy Christian life. And, and I didn't feel like that was helpful for me as a believer. So I thought, well, why not tell a personal story? Uh, but on top of that, in this particular case, like I, you know, I love the gospel. I, I follow Christ. I have for many years. Uh, and the gospel is the greatest story ever told. But what I found is that I think that's hampered us as Christians from telling any other stories in which the story arc doesn't peak at someone's salvation. And so we end up telling these stories that are like, you know, someone's hor- in some horrible situation or they're addicted to drugs or pornography or something. They get saved. Their life totally changes. They live happily ever after. Uh, and I'm one who believes that our great stories don't complete and finish when we get saved. There's still plenty of other stories to tell. It's just not very spiritual to tell people, hey, my story is a Christian story that's not about the gospel. Even though it is in its core, it's not explicitly a salvation type story. Because I think we have lots of great stories to tell, Ed. We just don't talk about them. Yeah, and I do. And I do think that's the case. And I think ultimately part of the challenges with Christian storytelling is is we're just used to everything having a nice, neat bow at the end. I mean, that's sort of what our... Yeah. You know, so many of our Christian movies, our Christian stories do, um, which actually isn't what happens here, and and, no. and probably worth noting as as well. Um, you know, so what does it look like to unravel a personal mystery? To the degree you you know, I, I know we're not going to share all the details. I mean, obviously, that's, that's fine, that, yeah. it's hours of of podcast. So, um, so what's it look like? What did it feel like? What did you walk through unraveling this mystery? Well, it, it was a fascinating experience because my parents truly didn't understand what happened. Uh, and I, and th- they had told me this the circumstance, which if you listen to the podcast, you can hear how it's a really kind of simple, seemingly inconsequential event that caused a break in a relationship. And I thought if I could just ask them a lot of questions, that, that I could kind of read between the lines and figure out what took place. So I end up as part of the very first episode, which is available now, as you mentioned, you can listen to the whole thing. And I have an in-depth conversation with my parents about my grandfather, uh, what happened. I try to figure out how this relationship could have broken down. But in the midst of it, what I discovered through that and many other conversations that would follow uh, is how uh, I, I learned from one psychologist that was with us. There's really a couple of different family systems that contribute to dysfunction. And really, uh, most families fit into some some category of this. But you have, for example, the healthy family who, if they encounter an issue in life, 
they'll even if it's hard, they'll talk to each other about it. They'll sit down, they'll have tears, they'll say you hurt my feelings, and they'll try to work it out. And then there's families uh, where people are all in each other's business all the time, but never about anything that matters. So you'll end up going to a you know a family Thanksgiving. And Uncle Joe gets yelled at because he didn't bring the potatoes and he was supposed to bring the potatoes. And Aunt Jenny was late. She's always late. And why are you always late? Uh, and then you have the another type of family system, which I discovered we have in my family, which is one of those where everything's fine. As long as we're not arguing, everything's fine. It's a very Scandinavian kind of thing to do. Everyone's polite when they're together. And maybe when you're in the car on the way home from Thanksgiving, you talk about, oh, Aunt Jenny <laughs> doesn't do what she's told or always shows up late. So in the midst of that, I discovered that while it felt functional, our family really was actually, in many respects, dysfunctional. Hmm. We're going to continue our conversation uh, with about, about this new podcast. It's called The Grandfather Effect. Brian Dolan's our guest. And we're going to continue our conversation uh, with you and with Brian in just a moment. Stay tuned. Politics brings more division than ever, and social media is moving many to be less social and more critical. Those with Christian views are also often being dismissed. Well, what if the rise of secularism, though, is good news for the church? Throughout history, these times of decline traditionally precede powerful spiritual renewal, even revival. You need to read Mark Sayer's book, Reappearing Church, The Hopeful Renewal in the Rise of Our Post-Christian Culture. Get a copy of Reappearing Church today at moodypublishers.com. Hey, we're back. Um, Ed Setzer Live. We're talking to Brian Dolan, and he is uh, a Cleveland morning radio host. Um, and, of course, Brian and Janelle Mornings is something. People right now are, are in Cleveland saying, I know him. I know him, because uh, <laughs> because he's, of course, on the radio regularly there. But, you know, across the network and our partners and affiliates, maybe uh, a new name for you, but a fascinating a new enterprise that, the, uh, that he's engaged upon. There's a podcast. It's a podcast called The Grandfather Effect. And uh, I want to talk a little bit more about it. So here's kind of as I'm thinking, those of you listening, how I'm thinking the show will unpack. We're going to unpack some of the themes of that because the themes include uh, forgiveness, um, family systems, generational sin, um, and more. And I want to talk about some of those things in the kind of the middle segment of the show. Uh, and then at the end, we'll get back to some of the details of it. But but I, I want to come back to the question of the podcast itself before we get to some of the themes. But what led you to tell this story in your podcast? It's kind of a, I mean, obviously deeply personal uh, some it's some uh, some challenge, challenging things. What led you to tell the story? Yeah, you know, for me, it was. I think most people probably have one or two unresolved things or questions they have uh, in their lives related to their family story. There's just never a good time to ask, you know. Where it's mm-hmm. you're, you're 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 at as I keep bringing up Thanksgiving. You're at Thanksgiving. You know, pass the turkey. By the way, why did Grandpa disown us again? You know, it's just not a right a good time to do <laughs> yeah, that. Seems and, odd. And so, yeah. yeah. So life just moves on, and people move on. And it's one of those lingering things that comes up. And I, uh, I, I recall years ago, I was at a family trip. My parents had kind of rented us a cabin for my brother and I and our families. And we were hanging out with the kids all in bed. The kids were all little. And we're sitting around and I'm staring at our phones. And I thought I'd strike up conversation because I know almost nothing about my paternal grandparents. Uh, and so I asked my dad, I said, hey, so what's your, uh, what's your mom and dad's love story? And he goes, I don't know. I was like, what? 
dad, what do you, what do you mean? You don't know. That's not an acceptable answer. Let's talk. Let's talk. He goes, Brian, I don't know. Okay. Uh, and that's kind of struck a chord in my heart of there is a significant amount of information here. We don't know about a man who then I recalled had, had disowned our family over a seemingly trivial incident when I was a little boy. And so with that in mind, it just seemed like one of those lingering questions. And practically speaking, I didn't expect to find anything more when I did the investigation than, quite frankly, that the guy was a jerk. I just figured, oh, well, you know, who disowns people? Jerks disown people. So my grandfather must have been a jerk. I'm better off without him. And so I'll find this out in the podcast and we'll all move on with our lives. But it turns out it was just much more complicated than that. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, as you tell the story, that's a fascinating part of just kind of walking through uh, some of those challenges. So, so let, let's get into some of the themes that are here. Um, how can you um, learn to have grace for a family member or someone else close to you who's wronged you? What, what, what does that look like? And again, this is, you know, not necessarily, I mean, I want you to tell a little bit on the podcast journey, but also in general, because our listeners are wondering the same. Yeah, these are some of those discussions, right, that Christians don't like to have very often. And I love going to those places. Thankfully, you're a pastor, so you can even perhaps help me with this, Ed. But I, it, it it's hard, I think, to extend grace to people um, when, I mean, in this particular case, the man's dead. Yeah. And so I, did, did you encounter this much in your pastoral life when you'd have people come to you oh, and for say, sure. for I sure. have so many unresolved problems. How do I handle this? I'm so angry. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of times when someone is gone, it feels like I never had a chance to resolve this, and there's a uh, can be a hollowness, a heart, a difficulty walking through that. But again, this is part of what you walk through. So, how, how would you advise people to to think about forgiving somebody who's gone through, or may, maybe having grace is the language I think we might use. Yeah, and in, in this case, to me, it really did matter as hard as it was to discover the details of what took place and how many layers of brokenness there really were and generational sin that popped up, it was worth having the hard conversations and and figuring out the whole thing. Because at the end of the day, it was a little bit shocking, I would say, to discover that I saw uh, a lot of myself in my grandfather, a man I had never known. Uh, because there was those generational issues that kind of creep through the family culture that you don't necessarily analyze, behavior patterns, that in, in this case, when I was able to look at them very carefully, grace becomes easier when I begin to see uh, my own, my, my, myself in him. But then I think at a deeper level, I, I began to even realize that uh, the incidents that took place was when my grandfather was probably in his 60s or 70s, uh, and I'm in my mid-40s. And I began to realize that the incidents that broke down our family took place at a time like 20 years from now in my life. And I could very easily do something in my life or make a mistake or because I'm a sinner like everybody else that could cause my, my own grandchildren to make the second season of this particular podcast mm -hmm. series. And I guess right. it's really realizing my own depravity and my own inability to create a healthy family in spite of my best efforts that allows me to kind of extend that to others. But I can't stare at the pain, you know. You, you've got to you got to look at it, but then see yourself in it. I suppose is my my long way around to answer that. Yeah, and of course, we we always want to recognize that there are can be complicated, complicated issues. I'm not getting all the details here, but there can be complicated, complicated issues, and we want to walk through those. But one of the things, you know, I mean, one of the things that Christians talk about, and I think it's a Christian thing. I mean, 
I've never heard other people talk about it, but it's from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, so maybe it's also in, in there. But the idea of generational sin, the yeah. idea that, uh, I mean, this this actually impacts things um, across generations, and uh, we call it generational sin. The idea of ancestral sin is actually, there are other, other people who hold this, but but talk to us a little bit uh, about that, and because that, that's a, a key part of the theme uh, that we see here. And of course, for those who are like, what in the world is that? We actually see um, in different places in Scripture, uh, specifically uh, in references to places like Exodus, uh, I think it's Exodus 25, uh, where it talks about, um, you know, that it says, you shall not bow down. I pulled it up here. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. But then there's the key, uh, you know, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And what is, what, where does that fit into all these things? Yeah, you know, I, I used to think of it more in kind of a, a punitive sense and probably an incorrect mm-hmm. sense, although you can help me with that. I, I would always thought of generational sin as a like, my grandfather did something, therefore I'm going to be responsible for it, which is not the, not the particular case as I'm talking about it. I'm talking right. more in the context of, of generational patterns of sin. Yeah. Where yeah. Some, someone pointed out this to me in, in, as part of this journey that was pretty interesting, where if you look at the life of Abraham, uh, and when he went into Egypt, he, he looks at his wife's like, man, you are a good looking woman. And I'm nervous if the Egyptians see you and they know that I'm your husband, they're going to kill me and they're going to take you. So tell them, tell them that you're my sister. Yeah, that's a great idea. Well, of course, terrible idea. It's a lie. And it ended up causing a, a ton of havoc, huge problem. So uh, obviously, you'd think that the family would learn their lesson in this. Well, oddly enough, I, I had almost forgotten about this, but Isaac did the exact same thing later on in life when he and Rebecca were settling in a foreign land. Uh, he looked at her and he's like, oh, man, we could be in trouble here because you're so good looking. Uh, so, boy, tell him you're my sister. And again, the same thing happens again. There's problems that result from it. And it's incredible to see a father and a son do the exact same thing. I, and I think it's because we can't know the details, right? But maybe he's he heard about Abraham doing that. Maybe he didn't. Maybe it was just his tendency in a family to make weak decisions in the face of danger. But e- either way, I, I see a generational pattern there. Yeah. Yeah, and I, th- I think, I mean, I think generational patterns is a good way for us to think on it. I mean, there's not a a moral culpability from things our parents or grandparents did in the same sense of, uh, of sin, but there definitely are patterns and those patterns are, yeah. um, impactful. And, and again, I think that's part of the exploration. Again, the, the, the podcast we're talking about here is the grandfather effect. And again, fascinating title does speak to some of what walked, you walked in and through your life and it is a conscious or subconscious. We don't know, but it certainly sets up family systems. Now you, before yes. in our last segment, you were talking some about family systems and I'd like you to come back to that and talk a little bit about some of what you discovered about the family systems and structure in your own family, because that's a big part of the journey. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, of course, as I mentioned earlier, uh, my dad didn't even know his own parents' love story, which was just an odd situation to me, but it's, it, it's reflective of that generational pattern slash sin of, of lack of connection. Where I remember even my, my, my dad told me growing up that his father never once came to one of his, one of his baseball games. His, he doesn't have any memory of his dad hugging him or telling him he loved him. Uh, and so uh, I didn't know that until recently, but I would watch my own dad. And I remember growing up, 
my dad was present. I was a soccer player. My dad was at all the games, even if it meant he was in a business suit. But mm -hmm. I always knew my dad struggled to verbalize the words I love you, uh, to show physical yeah. affection. He seemed uncomfortable yeah. with it, not unwilling to do it, but uncomfortable. Now, to me, it's clear that that's a result of him not having that vocabulary from his own father, where that ought to be modeled for him. And so I spent a number of years in my 20s and 30s kind of frustrated by this, only to realize now as my older children are teenagers, that there's a part of me that I struggle to know how to connect deeply with my children because of this, this family system that's created uh, and, and this, this generational pattern in which the closeness from fathers to children just isn't something people know well. And so I'm unwittingly, even though I've recognized it, in some respects become a victim to it. And I have to really work hard to change that pattern. Uh, and, and all of that goes together in terms of creating this family system that my family is in, that many families I think are, which is that uh, the, I think the best phrase to describe it is everything's fine. I mean, hmm. we talk about work, we talk about school, how are the kids? Uh, let's, the food was great. Uh, did you hear about so-and-so? Uh, but you never really deal with deeper issues. And if you, if you do and it gets dicey, people just run away from it. And so there's a lot of pleasantness, but, but, that, but that pleasantness can, I think, disguise itself as, as healthiness. And that's where I was way off, where for many years I presumed that, that the way my family interacted was, quote unquote, healthy because there was no overt conflict that took place. Uh, but I ultimately realized in the long run, after going through this podcast series journey over the last few years, ended up going into counseling and uh, marriage counseling and some other things just to try to work some of these things out because it's not healthy to not deal with issues. Hmm. So this is fascinating. So this actually led to some specific engagement and counseling and other resources in your own journey as well. Yeah. We're talking about the podcast, The Grandfather Effect. We're going to continue our conversation. This is a pre-recorded show, but we're going to continue our conversation with Brian and about The Grandfather Effect with just a moment. Stay, stay with us. We never heard from him again. No letter, no call, no contact. That's very possible. That played a leading role in what happened. Oh, here we go. 2751. Five, 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 six, five, seven. This is it. I think it's an incredible story. I guess I kept wondering why everybody didn't address the elephant in the room. I'm Brian Dolan, and this is The Grandfather Effect. And of course, that's the promo for the new podcast. And and uh, we, again, anywhere you download podcasts, you could find it. It's going to be some some's out now already, but it rolls out over the next several weeks. So it's a uh, kind of a serial podcast, kind of a sequential podcast that walks through some of the the issues on the journey. Um, Brian, Brian, let's talk a little bit about again in this middle section of the show. I, I want to talk some about some of the issues that came up that are very universal for people. And we talk some about uh, you know generational patterns that you need to break. And, you know, just before our, 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 in our last segment, you actually talked about this led to some action in your own life, getting counseling and more. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, I mean, wh what did you see in your own life that kind of came from what you learned about the grandfather effect that caused you to say, I want to take some next steps, get some counseling. By the way, I think we should normalize going to counseling and talking yeah. about going to counseling. So I'm very pro that. appreciate you mentioning that. So sure. what did you, what did you see and how'd you see it? Well, you know, I, I've been an advocate for counseling for years in my ministry life, but had never done it myself for whatever reason. Maybe thought I was I didn't need it. Uh, but I think it goes back to what we discussed before the break, which was that pleasantness in a family system that disguises itself as healthiness. Uh, 
just because there isn't any conflict doesn't mean that there isn't any issue going on. And so I made the classic mistake that I think a lot of people make, which is when you when you go into a marriage relationship, uh, you, you go in presuming that whatever you did in your family, well, that's normal. Uh, and so if your spouse did something different, boy, I, I don't know what was wrong with their family, but but we sure did it right because there wasn't arguing here. Uh, and my, my wife's family was much more open about conflict. There was much more, uh, you know, arguing, tears sometimes. Uh, and in my family, that just didn't happen. And so we had a lot of years where the, the narrative in my marriage relationship was that uh, my family system of way of doing things was the healthy one. And what she grew up with wasn't. And that created a whole unhealthy scenario because at the end of the day, if your goal is is to just have everybody get along and everything's fine, it avoids dealing with some deeper issues. And so it became clear that my wife and I needed uh, needed to work through some of that. And particularly I did. And so I ended up working with a counselor as well to try to to make sure that I didn't fall victim to some of the same generational patterns because they're so strong when nobody talks about anything. Uh, it's it's hard to even know how to talk about serious things. And what I discovered along the journey as I talked to various experts and family members outside of my immediate family was that really there is this pattern in my family of not talking about real deep personal issues. Mm -hmm. uh, I learned that they were terrible at it and, and that, that it has consequences. And, and the consequence at the end of the day was broken family relationships. And mm -hmm. I don't want that from my kids. You know, I don't want it at all. And so I, hmm. we're doing whatever we can to make those changes, but I don't know. I, I hope it's not too late, Ed. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. And I, I would encourage you that it's never too late, but it's uh, even yeah. on our you know journey, I, I grew up in a dysfunctional home, um, you know, a lot of, a uh, lot of, you know, my, I come, I'm a child of divorce, Donna's a child of divorce. And we really said, and said, we're going to, we're going to see with the Lord's help, we're going to break some of those patterns. And still what's interesting is, you know, I'm still my, I'm still the child of my my parents, and and she's still the child of her parents. It's still, you know, we've been married for thirty plus years, and we're still breaking those patterns by by God's grace, by God's grace. Yeah. Um. So, but part of the thing is, I mean, there's a real key forgiveness theme, and we touched on this before, but I want to come a little deeper. Um. How do you forgive someone who's no longer alive? Because obviously, a big part of the conversation here is forgiveness, but he's not with you anymore. Yeah. That that was an odd thing where I. I, I didn't, before counseling, I wasn't really a guy that thought much about emotions and gratefully counseling helped me figure out how to feel things. And I realized that I think I had more lasting impact from the fact that my grandfather disowned my family when I was three. Uh, like I love my five kids. I can't even imagine a scenario where I would be comfortable with a, a good decade of non-contact with, with, mm -hmm. with any of them. And so I, I carried a sense of, of bitterness, uh, anger, uh, and unforgiveness toward a guy where it just seemed like what else could be the reason, but the guy just being a huge jerk and being callous mm -hmm. and, and that, and, and, and that affects, you know, your own self-image in some respects. Like if I'm not good enough for my grandpa to want to own, to know me, uh, am I good enough? Uh, and mm -hmm. what, what did I do wrong? What did my family do wrong? It seems like we haven't done anything wrong. And so those, all those feelings and thoughts get mashed up together and, be, and create a wall of sorts for forgiveness. 
And so, you know, as a follower of Christ, I know I'm I'm forgiven that the Lord that the Lord Jesus died for me and rose again and that and if I lean on that and I trust in him for my salvation, I can be saved and have my sins forgiven. And I know with my kids and my wife, I can look at them and say, "I'm sorry, will you forgive me?" and they can say yes. But I hadn't really ever encountered a situation like this before where somebody really had hurt me uh, and he's dead and he's been dead for decades. And I didn't even know how to begin that journey. Uh, yeah. I, I'd venture to guess you've seen this, dare I say, a lot in your pastoral life? Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think we we do. But you had, I mean, I guess the challenge is for a lot of people, they can't get resolution with the person. So, but forgiveness doesn't require a full sense of reconciliation with the person. And, you know, one of the things that yeah. the reason we might forgive is because, I mean, if we don't, it's just, you know, that that issue, that person, that brokenness lives rent free in our heads, and so, and again, we we will, we both, Brian, and I both want to say that we recognize there are complicated issues here at work that might require counseling, sometimes require law enforcement. There's all kinds of things we want to be careful about. We're not saying this yeah. is going to be the same journey for for everybody, but so how how did you in this case and your family in this case work through some of the forgiveness issues? Well, I, I think it's it's two primary things. It is it, ignoring family problems like this does not solve the problem. And the, there's an old adage that time heals all wounds, and it doesn't, uh, because th- those things stick around in our heads and our hearts for many, many years. And so as as awful as it was at times and as awkward as it was at times, really trying to talk to as many people as possible who knew my grandfather uh, and who, who knew my family and try to figure out from everyone's perspective what the truth was and what took place, uh, it helped me to begin to see the bigger picture. Because it's easy to turn a man into a villain who disowned my family and just presume that somebody could be that wicked. I mean, of course, people can be that wicked. But really? I mean, you got a couple of grandkids? You don't even care? What in the world? It, it seemed in my mind the only real explanation could be just the most callous person ever. Uh, And it was mystifying to hear that that wasn't the case from a number of different people. And so how do you explain this? It's really digging into it. And then at the end of the day, as I mentioned earlier, it's the the awkward journey of beginning to see myself in him and see him faced with complicated situations in life and having to make a call. And no matter what I do, sometimes the calls I make hurt people. And Mm. so I, you know, I had to start seeing myself. It's that it's that trite spiritual thing we know is true, that we're all sinners in thought, word, and deed. But it's until you fully see your, your own depravity and your own inability to, by your own you know, will and strength, create functional uh, family relationships and be, like, quote unquote, a great dad. Uh, it's, it's until you see your own failures and faults that you can begin to extend grace and then ultimately that forgiveness. Uh, because now, I mean, I, as a young dad, it's one thing where your, your kids are little and sorries are easy to, to, to deal with. But I've got three teenagers right now. And I tell you what, mm-hmm. I, am, I am not a good dad. I'm working on it. I mean, I'm not the world's best. Mm-hmm. I'm not a terrible dad either. Right. But I, they, they really could do some serious podcast episodes about some mistakes I've made. Hopefully the end yeah. is that we worked through it. That's what I'm praying for. But it's, it's that stark and scary realization uh, that really begins to enable us to extend that grace to others when you know that we need it just as bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's kind of a key thing. I think one of the things that a lot of people who listen to 
these kind of podcasts, and particularly like we talked about the rise and fall of Mars Hill, which became the most famous Christian podcast probably ever, is yeah. um, is you know why air all that? Why why yeah. the dirty laundry? You know, uh, we we you know we may, many people may know the story uh, made the news, rise and fall fall of Mars Hill. Your story didn't make the news, so. So, and I want to I want to kind of wait press in on that just a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna take yeah. a little break. Let me just remind everybody that we're uh, we're not live today. We're actually pre-recorded, and so we're not taking your calls. But but I do want us to continue to press in on this. And the conf- the question I'm going to ask on the other side is, you know, why why do this? Why not just learn the lessons? Sounds like you know, Brian, you've walked through some of that. You've got some counseling on the other side. You've worked seeking to break some of those generational patterns. So, so I think the question is why. Um, why not just learn the lessons? Is there something more that we all need to explore? Let me remind you that the podcast is called uh, the the Grandfather Effect, and it's a uh, it's a multi episode podcast, and you can really download it anywhere where you download podcasts as well. But it's a gripping storytelling podcast uh, from Moody Radio's Brian uh, Dolan, and we're going to continue our conversation with Brian and maybe press in on the why why this way in just a moment. Thanks for listening to this and every Saturday at Stetzer Live. Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live, and we're talking to Brian Dolan about his uh, his new podcast. I mean, that's a it's a weird thing. So it's not just like, I mean, like I have a podcast. I mean, there's a podcast of this show, but I also have the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast. I, I do a church planning podcast. And, you know, podcasts usually are you know, I have guests on to talk at the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast, and we talk about issues of the day and whatever else it may be. Um, but there's a genre of podcast that tells a story, that tells a story arc. And um, we're actually, the arc has begun. If you're listening live, if you're listening to uh, the podcast of this show, you might be listening a little bit later on. But if you're listening uh, when this show airs live, which is uh, last weekend of May, there's actually a couple episodes out already as well. And so um, so two questions coming in, and then I'm going to ask you, Brian, to uh, exclusively to my listeners, we're going to do a little bit of the reveal uh, of this. But first, I want to tell you, why air all this? I mean, this could be redemptive for you. And this is the question people had for the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast, is that, I mean, people had very strong reactions. Some people said it was very cathartic. And maybe those words that reflect what you say, very cathartic, very helpful for them to process their own pain in their situation or whatever else it may be. Um, and other people said, you know, man, this is just airing the dirty laundry um, and uh, for pure interest, that's not helpful. So um, so why, why, why did you think this was a story that needed to be told? Well, Ed, you know, it took about five years to make this for a lot of reasons. Uh, it, it just, I was doing a lot of the work myself initially and getting a hold of family members and scheduling interviews and such. It just took a while. Uh, and, and that gave me a while to see the whole thing unfold as well and begin to see that really, I, I kind of resolved with the Lord towards the, in the last year or so that, that if this had to be just something that was for me, that's okay. Like I, it doesn't need to be out for everybody else. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, my ministry life has been defined ultimately by wanting to be upfront and honest about brokenness, including my own. Um, as, as I mentioned earlier, you know, there, it's one thing to go on Christian radio and, hey, you know, last night I sat around the fire with my kids and had a devotion and they all prayed and 
we all snuggled and went to bed. You know, but that's just a it's not my experience. And I, I think it hurts people when we don't let in uh, people to our pain and our our struggle. Uh, and I and I found that my story, you know, it's not as we say in one of the early episodes. There's no murder and mayhem. This isn't Dateline. You're not going to go in and see crazy mystery. But you what you will see, I think, is a a typical family that loves each other, that made some mistakes and it hurt people and caused some issues. Uh, and I think it's made me closer to Christ. I think it's made my wife closer to Christ. Uh, it's helped my kids process through some things. I think it's helped my immediate family as well, my parents. And so uh, if this can bring us closer to Christ and it can bring us closer to each other, perhaps it can serve that same purpose for others. And a few years ago, I ended up, uh, I did like a focus group where I let a small group of people hear the audio I'd put together. And the one common piece of feedback we heard you know, you hear the typical stuff. Well, this was my favorite part. Someone else like a different part. But everyone who listened to it saw something in our story that was very reflective of their own family. Like mm. each person that wrote me feedback said, oh, boy, this reminds me of my Uncle Jimmy. Or this reminds me of my grandfather. Or this reminds me of what happened with my parents. Uh, and and many of them as well talked about it, motivated, motivated them to try to reconcile or try to bring about a healthier relationship. Uh, and, and that's ultimately why I think it's worth it. Uh, it's worth it because our family can show you that, that despite our best efforts, um, we still mess up, but that's what Christians do. And I don't want people to believe the, the false story arc lies of, of awkward Christian movies or whatever in the past that just tell you your life's great after you get saved. No, um, it, it's hard. Life is really hard and yeah. it's going to continue to be hard. But if the, the mm. goal is closeness to Christ, and for me, that happens most in the midst of brokenness. Yeah. And, you know, to, I related even to you know, in our conversation here, you know, my dad and I are close and his, uh, yeah, but I remember, you know, growing up, he said he never heard his dad tell him that he loved him because, I mean, the kind of the Irish Catholic stoic approach that we took as laborers in New York mm -hmm. City, so we didn't do that. And so, yeah, but I see that. I see the echoes of that in my own journey. So I love, I love, I love the transparency that's there. And you know, so we're we're already two episodes out. So in the first episode, you reveal some of the story, but that's just the beginning of the arc. So again, we want to encourage people yeah. to uh, to subscribe to the grandfather effect. But what 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 was the reason that your grandfather? Give us a little bit more of the story that you reveal in episode one. Well, and this only adds to the mystery, right? So I've known for most of my life that. My grandfather had disowned us because he was never around. And the, what my parents told me was it was over a birthday card. Hmm. And as, as a little kid, you just kind of go, huh, well, that's weird. And as an adult, I'd occasionally go, so he really like disowned us over a birthday card? And they're like, yeah, weird, huh? I'd be like, yeah. So as part of the very first episode uh, of the series, I, I sit my parents down and I spent over two hours grilling them. We edited down the audio. Don't worry. It's not two hours. Uh, but <laughs> I tried to figure out really what was going on here. Uh, and the basics of it are um, he was only sending birthday cards to uh, I have one brother and my mom and dad. And my dad got a birthday card and my mom got a birth or, and, and my brother got a birthday card. But my mom and I didn't. And my parents reached out to him to try to figure out, you know, to say, listen, you can't, you really can't do that. 
you really need to either send no cards or just honor everybody in the family. And as a young family, I, I relate to that, right? I mean, you're trying to establish who your family is. You don't want just half the kids to be getting a card from grandpa. And so um, my parents reached out to him and they never talked again. Just kind of Weird, ended huh? it, kind of drew a line, and and uh, yeah, and uh, but it is, I mean, these are the family dynamics, and 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 boy, you know, it's it's you think about you keep going back to Thanksgiving dinner. Thanksgiving dinner is a can be a very joyful time, but for a whole lot of people, Thanksgiving Christmas is a painful time because yes, they someone's absent, there's a broken relationship, or even relationships get broken there. So we got a little over a minute or so. What would you say to listeners that you hope that they will will experience, walk through, and ultimately achieve by listening to The Grandfather Effect? I hope that through taking the time to go through my family story and hear what we went through, that it will give you the courage to at least attempt to bring about reconciliation in your family and broken relationships. It will encourage you to strive for biblical healthiness uh, in terms of how you relate to others. Uh, but more importantly, I really, and I, again, I know it sounds hyper-spiritual, but I hope that you're going to see your own and your family's brokenness to the point that it brings about closeness to Christ for you. Because uh, it's, it, it's not until we really see our own need for Jesus, even in our relationship with our parents and our kids, uh, that we truly can begin to rely on him uh, in all that we do and, and love him more deeply. So at the end of the day, I hope that's what this series does for you. And if it doesn't, you'll just go, wow, what's wrong with those people? <laughs> <laughs> and that's that might be for all of us sometimes watching the struggles of other people might say hey we struggle too and that's there yeah. that can be redemptive in and of itself but how have people and again about 30 seconds left how have people respond have they seen it as redemptive and help them to see their own journey as you mentioned i mean because some people listen to the whole series so how have they responded yeah they uh they they love the story they think it's compelling they're left with some of the same questions i'm left with uh yeah. but they, they they all seem to feel motivated to to bring about more reconciliation and broken relationships in their family as well. And again, I think as much as we can do that as followers of Christ, as far as it depends on us to live at peace with everyone, uh, and peace isn't silence. Sometimes peace means working through hard things so that you can uh, develop more intimacy. Yeah, so good. So good. I love I love that we're having these kinds of conversations. You know, uh, again, the the neat tie the bow up thirty minute. You know episode of a tv sitcom is too many too many too often how christians see storytelling and that's not this it's a it's that's a right. long arc it cases through some hard issues as well so let me thank my guest brian dolan for joining me today let me also thank our behind the scenes team at rudy moody radio my producer karen hendren engineer courtney young today here today's program again You'll find it at edstetzerlive.com. Also, too, if you go to edstetzerlive.com for this episode, it links right to uh, Brian's podcast as well. But you can also find our show on the Moody Radio app. And you can stay connected to us through social media. All the social media outlets are at Ed Stetzer Live. And remember, Ed Stetzer Live is, of course, a production of Moody Radio, which is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks for listening to Ed Stetzer Live.